Charlie, the Bulldogs have got two flags now. That was two years ago, mate. Get over it. If you think we'll be insightful, clever or just when we search, we're here to say that's not the case. We'll just go out and wing it. We are two guys, one cup. It is Thursday, the 3rd of May. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. My name is Will Anderson. And my name is Charlie Clawson. And Will... Wow, what a start to the show. Action-packed, eh? Oh, yeah. I was like, remember when Jack Rewalt um, wanted to... There was something, I can't remember what he'd been involved in at Richmond Training, but there was some story where Jack um, wanted to avoid the press and he ended up scarpering out and scaling <laughs> the wall at Punt Road so that he could run away from the press, or much like a West Coast Eagles player in the, in mid-90s. the uh, 90s, early 2000s, when a, uh, when a drug tester <laughs> arrived at the club, I had to bend Cousins it out of there. So I've just been next door, I've borrowed a ladder, I've climbed through his hedge, I've pulled the ladder back over the wall, uh, I've lowered myself into my backyard, which was someone with my well, sort of Just tell the back. listeners why you had to do this. Uh, okay, so uh, I'm getting some stuff delivered, Charlie. As you know, it's been a constant update on the fact that I've been living a monastic, uh, minimalist <laughs> lifestyle in my new house that doesn't have internet on still, and I'm still hotspotting off this phone. Uh, anyway, I'm getting a lot of text messages from Telstra. The good news <laughs> is I wake up sometimes with four or five text messages from Telstra telling me I've used all my data and they've handled, they've handily given me some more data. Uh, I'm much like the Gold Coast. Telstra yeah. is throwing good money after bad to keep me afloat at the moment. Yeah, people and, are worried uh, about the, to... the mining boom coming to an end, but it's okay because Telstra is just making a fortune off your one hotspot. So um, uh, the uh, a bed was being delivered and a couple of things and... Uh, the delivery guys arrived literally as we were about to start the podcast. So I was like, I think I'll just be like 10 minutes, guys. I'll let the delivery guys in, you know, sort that out. And uh, as I went out to let the delivery guys in, my door, which has never blown shut behind me, blew shut behind me. And then suddenly I realized I was locked out of my uh, incredibly secure house. Uh, and so it turns out uh, if you can go through next door's garage, uh, climb up a ladder uh, through a hedge over a fence and then lower the ladder down the other side and climb down this. it, uh, then, oh, yeah, mate. Like, to watch it, because I am, like, the world's most unco man and yeah. Phil, my next-door neighbour, is 72 years old <laughs> and he's about to walk 3,200 kilometres, Birkin Wills track. He, he, he walked 25 kilometres yesterday just to warm up for the walk that he's going on and he offered to do it. He was like, I can... I can jump over the fence. And Charlie, we both knew that that was probably the best solution. Yeah. We both knew that chances are sending the 72-year-old man over the fence was going to get this done better. But my yeah. pride just could not handle it. Yeah, no I just way. had to do it myself. You, and you also don't want to have that Phil Spector-like reputation where it's like, you know, a 72-year-old guy died at Will Anderson's house. Very mysterious circumstances. <laughs> Will claims he was locked out of his house, but there's this guy dead. In his backyard. <laughs> what would only make that story better is you decided to have a quick shower before we did the show and you were in your towel when you got locked out and so you had to do all of this wearing just a towel. 
Oh, I am. Uh, welcome to our football podcast. By the way, we're going to get to, we're going to get talk about getting locked out of things. Much like crowds were locked out of the inaugural AFLW match at nice. Icon Park, Charlie. Nice. Uh, I am also very good at locking myself out of things. Uh, last year during the Melbourne Comedy Festival, Amy and I had an Airbnb, mm. and uh, we had the dogs down, and that's why we had the Airbnb because the dogs were down, and she had to fly back to Sydney for some work. So the day after the Comedy Festival, I was going to yeah clean up the apartment load the dogs into the back of the car and drive it back to sydney from melbourne and uh that morning as i was putting out the garbage i locked myself out of the airbnb in my pajamas and uh the dogs were locked inside the airbnb so this was a a terrible situation and it was a public holiday oh it was a public holiday so i had to hire a locksmith on a public holiday to come and unlock the door just so that i could rescue the dog so anyway the point is charlie i'm hopeless at life and the fact that you're even listening to this podcast is a miracle i hope you're enjoying it uh i didn't really see much football this weekend and i'm kind of glad i'm kind of glad will i feel like football and me are dudes used to go to high school together and maybe there's a girl I was dating while we're at high school and we're really in love but you know that's that relationship is like falling apart and so now I'm you know I'm kind of he- interested to hear how Geelong's doing and Hawthorne's doing in Sydney but whenever I hear about that ex of mine it's like oh oh no oh no look I think the only person who's had a worse week than you is Bomber Thompson no oh, I and, um, and, and Ross Lyon uh, yeah, good point. And, yeah. All, and whoever was working for Ross Lyon at the time. Yeah. So actually, to be honest, you're down the list. <laughs> <laughs> so question, Ross Lyon and Bomber Thompson this week, is it the curse of 09? Was it the 09 grand final? I've not heard anybody uh, float that yet, Charlie. <laughs> I like that. That's, that's a sort of conspiracy theory you should have taken straight to the big footy forum. Yeah. <laughs> Even on our ridiculous podcast, that doesn't feel like enough. I feel like you should have been ringing SEN this morning to put that one forward. Well, I didn't see much football this weekend. My wife arrived and it's harder to justify why I'm getting up at 2am to watch you know, football. So I kind of watched half of the, the Tigers-Collingwood game and then watched everything else on highlights. But I didn't really sort of start looking at stuff until like 24 hours ago. And because of the Bomber Thompson news, it is like crazy what is going on, like not on the field in the AFL right now. Right. And there's not really a lot going on on the field. So it's been one of those weeks where it's been a perfect time for there to be massive scandals off but, the field. But do you think that like if you look at the round and the way like, you know, teams like Sydney getting up over Geelong and stuff, there were still some amazing and there was two amazing games on the weekend. That's as high quality, you know, as you can expect from a round of football. But still, that gets all pushed to the side for scandal. Yeah, I guess you're absolutely right about that. Well, the Bomber Thompson thing has really, like, you know, been... It it has felt very close to home for me, literally, because it is close to my home. And in fact, Charlie, you're right. Uh, If I'd been locked out in my towel, (laughs) not only would I have had the indignity of having to climb the fence, but there is hordes of press in my local neighbourhood at the moment just standing outside Bomber Thompson's house who would have been right there with their cameras looking for, oh, well, this will make a good second story on the news. I've picked up two. This is great. I'd love that. I just like you got two cameramen from Channel 9 just, you know, waiting for Bomber to come out and then one of them looks across the road and is like, is that... Adam Hill's trying to climb the fence. <laughs> right. Suddenly I'm being interviewed by Tom Brown and Tony Jones about why I'm half naked in the streets of Port Melbourne. <laughs> would you drop a chompers? If Tony Jones door stopped you as you're halfway up the fence naked, 
Would you, would you still, even though you have no dignity in that moment, would you still drop a chompers? Yeah, I, I, I would double down on the chompers. <laughs> I would make my quote unusable just by putting as many chompers into it as I possibly could. And I imagine that at the moment that they're getting the camera shot of me up my towel as I'm trying to scale the hedge and Chompers is interviewing me. Uh, Nelson Muntz style from The Simpsons, I'm imagining Ricky Nixon, who also lives in the neighbourhood, just standing over in the corner going, <laughs> No, he'd be going, choo-choo. All yeah, aboard the chicken right. yeah, train. Toot, toot. Yeah. Yeah, toot, toot. I'll toot, toot. <laughs> he'd come out, he start selling copies of his book. On the footy feed that I just watched, like literally five minutes, at the AFL's you know new show, Footy Feed, um, they talked about Bomber Thompson, and I don't know if this was an intentional pun, but the judge thought that Bomber might be a flight risk. Right, yeah, Bomber might be a flight risk, but if you really want to extend that a little bit further, he said Bomber might be a flight risk because he has a yacht, which again <laughs> seems like no, it's not quite a flight; it's a float risk yeah, flight more than risk. a flight risk. <laughs> Excuse me, point of order, Your Honour. Do you mean a float risk? So why is your neighbourhood, because your neighbourhood is synonymous with kind of Aussie rules football. They, they have their own VFL side. A lot of footballers have come from that area. But it's like in the last 20 years, like if you're going to do underbelly, like the underbelly for sort of the 2000s and onwards, you could do one in your, in your neighbourhood, couldn't you? Yeah, Charlie, I, 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 I feel like I've really... Whatever attracts me to a suburb is also what attracts gangsters to a suburb. <laughs> Tax-free havens? Like, I don't know what it is, but I was living in Carlton during the, the famous era of the Carlton crew, as documented in Underbelly, and mm. now I'm living in Port Melbourne in the Port Melbourne years of the same sort of series. So, obviously gangsters are looking for the exact same thing in a neighborhood you know, close to the water a kind of you know like cool old suburb that's getting gentrified so there's enough cool cafes you can go for a coffee do your gangster deals but not so busy that there's yeah. so much attention and too much you know yeah absolutely nice wide footpaths where you can do a hit if you need to uh you know nice tree-lined streets where you can spray up a house with a high-powered rifle if you need to send a message to someone yeah, you know, like a bakery where you can sell your book. I might have another book at some stage. I can, I can get Ricky Nixon to set, set up another table next to his and I can sell my book. It really is like you've moved into Deadwood. Like whatever that town is in Deadwood where just like anything goes. Like, you know, you're just going to walk down your street and see a dude getting eaten alive by pigs in an alleyway. Right. I mean, it's, it doesn't help when my first reaction to, you know, when they list in the paper what they found in uh, Bomber Thompson's house, because we don't know if it was his, he had a flatmate and there's some allegations around his flatmate and his involvement in, you know, drug running and all these sort of things that are happening at the moment. And, you know, legally, we probably can't speculate about those things. But when they listed what he had in the house... My first reaction wasn't the same as most people's in the football media, which is like, this is crazy. He's a, you know, horrible drug dealer. Look at the quantity. Mine was like, maybe they were just going to like a music festival or something. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing it's like, always, yeah, sure, that's a good weekend, but... The thing I always liked about Bomber when he went into the media was even though he was kind of eccentric and stuff, you always felt like he was fairly honest like you know he would give opinions that felt fairly honest and that's why during the whole sort of drug scandal at Essendon I always thought like he was quite an interesting character because 
He has that kind of demeanor, which is like Columbo, you know, that kind of way he speaks, which is kind of grumbly and mumbly and he sort of mutters. He's got that, just, just one more, just one more thing, just one more thing. In fact, I believe when he was being investigated by the Integrity Commission, when they left, he was like, ah, just, just one more thing. But to see him now... In I would have liked to see him do that. Uh, I would like to see him adopt that same sort of philosophy, A, as a coach and then B, as a panellist on AFL 360. Yeah. So, like, you know, he's giving the three-quarter time address... And then he like, you know, he lets them all walk off and then he just gathers them all back and he's like, one more thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then same, like he's off his segment of AFL 360 and they're talking to Bob Murphy and he just comes back with one more gem. It's like, why is Bomber wearing John Kennedy's overcoat now? Oh no, it's just, uh, it's just part of his affectation now. <laughs> well, one of the really sad things about it, Charlie, is this idea now, because I've been reading a lot of the press around it. And because I I think that I'm, I'm a bit like you, that I have quite a deal of affection for Bomber, the mm. character. Like, you know, I've always found him a, a great straight shooter. He has a really sardonic sense of humour. Um, you know, I, I like him as a commentator. You know, it, but just for whatever reason, he was one of those blokes that I was happy for the success that he had had. And it came out during the Essendon things that he was one of the guys who was most anti the injections and stuff, right? Mm. So for this story to then happen to him is one of those things where you're like, oh, man. But what's happened since is there's been a lot of commentary around other incidents that had happened in those previous years that now kind of are being explained away by perhaps what has happened now. So suddenly you're hearing all these stories about the fact that he would leave... Oh, well, a couple. Uh, so one, he left the club at 11 a.m. one day and uh, was found five hours later asleep in his car by security. Oh, there's another uh, one too where uh, he gave the player lift home and had a whole bunch of DVD players in the back seat. He asked if he wanted to buy one. Um, there was one game where he was meant to be coaching and he wasn't there an hour before and no one could find him. Right, right. I mean, the funny thing is, before we knew all this, because of that quirky kind of eccentric persona he'd created, you would let that slide. Like, that's kind of almost... Like, you know, Malcolm Blight was doing the same thing when he was at St Kilda. Like, he would coach like two days a week, then fly to the Gold Coast to play golf and shit. Yeah, Malcolm, you're going to play golf on the Gold Coast because they have that same. Wow. Go- I think that it wasn't it golf on the Gold Coast that got Carmichael Hunt in all that trouble? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, no one at home can see this, but I've got the red string out connecting the dots. Any coach. <laughs> Back to Big Footy. We've got two theories. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I feel for him, um, but it feels like his life's been falling apart for a very long time. And I mean, we'll, we'll keep it updated, I suppose. And, and, you know, but the other one is Ross Lyon and it's a hard one to talk about, obviously, because of the nature of what it is, but we should mention it. Like, I think Mm. it's, you know, it it probably, we're not that sort of podcast, but it's probably worth mentioning. A good one. (laughs) Right. Yeah, we're certainly not a good podcast. (laughs) If you've come for a good podcast, you are definitely in the wrong podcast. (laughs) Um, How did you feel when you heard the news? About Ross? Mm. Uh, Disappointed. Like, I don't know. I I, I just never... I mean, look, we don't know exactly what happened. And and I just watched his press conference in that same uh, footy feed. And he was, you know, he didn't elaborate and I was thinking, well, you know, he has a logic to this. He's talking about that, you know, part of the agreement was privacy. And he's not just talking about his own privacy, but the woman who was involved, you know, perhaps she doesn't, you know, she was okay to kind of just have this suppressed and, and not, not discussed. But it's, um, yeah, I was just dis- disappointed. 
I like Ross. Yeah, I do too. And so please don't, you know, if you're listening to this, like it's a pretty serious thing and, but it feels like from what I've heard, and again, I don't, you can't quite tell because like you said, there's a confidentiality around it. And while his is actually now being breached, you know, we all know it's him and, and whatever, and there's been details that's leaked out. I think it is pretty important to protect the woman's in this case, but it feels like from the story we've heard that he made an inappropriate comment to a staff member at a Christmas party. And there is a part of you that can imagine that about Ross Lyon. Yeah. You know, you can imagine that he wouldn't, it doesn't quite understand the appropriate way to communicate with people. And you can mm. imagine, and again, this is probably giving the best of the benefit of the doubt that he may or may not deserve, but is that idea that you can imagine him saying something that was inappropriate, but not necessarily, um, you know, malicious, you know, horrible, right. Malicious, you mm. know, and it feels like the way this was settled was that they came to the understanding that that was probably what it was, that it was yeah. something that shouldn't have happened, but it wasn't something that, should end his career. And this is not like a, a Bill O'Reilly type situation where it's a $32 million payout where you're like, well, the reason you go for a figure like that is because something fairly significant happened. I mean, yeah, look, we don't know the facts about it, but we've always said that Ross Lyon is like the drunk uncle of the AFL. And, you know, we all have an uncle who has probably said something like that at your sister's 21st or something like that, you know? I mean, he is of that generation. Yeah, and I mean, it's great that we're addressing that and it's great that we're saying that that stuff isn't appropriate anymore, but it, it was certainly disappointing to hear. Like, you know, I think we've discussed on this podcast and our other podcasts about the fact that, you know, we, we are in an era now where the way that we thought that it was appropriate to behave in the past is just not appropriate anymore. And the more we know about that, I think the better the world is, but it does mean that along the way, there's going to be some of these things as well, I think, as part of it. Um, off on a different topic, do you watch the highlights like on yeah. the IFA website? So can you explain to me, yeah, I don't know what it is, but there's this little kind of ad that plays before you watch the highlights or the news or whatever. And it's like a woman interviewing Beck and Chris Judd about something. I can't make out what the ad's for, but there's this, it's always the same clip where it's like a little 10 second clip where she... Uh, the woman interviewing them obviously doesn't know about football. And she's like, oh, so do they try in AFL? And Beck says something like, oh, yeah, they try. Like, they put in effort. And Chris, like a beleaguered husband from a sitcom, is like, yeah, yeah, we try, we try. And, like, does this whole kind of, like, shrug of the shoulders. What am I watching? Is this a pitch for a new sitcom, the Chris Judd sitcom, or a reality show? I think they could definitely do a reality show at home with the Judds. Judds. Yeah. You want to see a reality show about a guy who's like, seems to be perfect in every way? <laughs> Yeah, he's the Australian Kardashians. Yeah, the right. Judds. So he's going you to know, have a keeping sex up with change the Judds. later on, right? Well, I mean, or his, you know, dad will or something, or his mum, <laughs> like you know, something. I, don't, oh, so I he, mean, I've, he's the Kim. I know he's he's the Kim. You're right. He's not the Bruce. He's the Kim. Yeah, exactly. I imagine that he's the Kim in this scenario. It's a new Fox Footy angle. That'd yeah. be great if Fox Footy decided they were going to do some reality. Pro- okay, here's a better question: If you were going to do a Fox a, a reality program that mm-hmm. followed the lives of any coach or player who would it be jake stringer oh yes <laughs> oh yes i mean i just need to know like i wish they had started this show two years ago like i wish we could have seen how we got to this point that the scene where he's getting the tattoo on the stomach that would have been amazing 
Well, I've got to be honest with you. Jake Stringer's life does feel like the two years uh, for a couple after they met on Married at First Sight. <laughs> so you're right. <laughs> it is a reality show. I think you could go one of two ways. You could go Jake Stringer, which is the kind of Jersey Shore type, you know, like trashy infotainment. Or maybe you go with like an Alex Rance, where it's more of a kind of like aspirational. You want to be like this guy. He's got the perfect life. Look at his perfect family and his perfect hair and his perfect career. Everybody loves Alex. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'll tell you this about Chris Judd. Uh, I've never met Rebecca Judd, I don't think, but um, I have spent a little bit of time with Chris Judd of late because he's a regular guest on our show and just having a chat with him and, you know, as you do in those scenarios. And one of the best blokes you've ever met in your entire life, super fucking smart and funny. Like, actually, genuinely, that's, naturally well, that's funny. What I'm and saying. not in some old school way. In this clip that they play, he does this whole kind of like, it could be like a young Larry David or something, a shrug of the shoulders, like, yeah, I tried, I tried. <laughs> Jerry, what do you want from me? I mean, one of my favorite things to do is, like, every time there's a story about recycling in the paper, we'll go to Juddy as our recycling expert <laughs> because of his time spent in the recycling program at Vizzy. Yeah. And the way that he talks about it, like in that clear way that, you know, we all understand that it was a massive rot of the system and even he knows that as well. But at the same time, he like manages to not say that. He manages to say it and not say it at the same time. And it's a, it's a real gift. <laughs> He's not still on that ambassador role, is he? No, but he'd be happy to get back involved if there was enough money. <laughs> Yeah, he seems like a winner. Like, there's just certain people who, who are winners. Like, you know who he is? When James Herb retired, that's who, like, Chris Judd is. Like, everything just ticking all the boxes. So, do not coach Juddy. That's my one thing. That's my one recommendation. Don't get tempted. Because that discussion must already be starting, right? Like, can you get Juddy into a coach's box? Wouldn't it be amazing to get Juddy in a coach's box? I mean, that's got to be happening at Carlton right yeah. now, wouldn't it? Yeah. There's well, got to not- be people who are worried about the the first ever zero six 6 start. They've got Brendan Bolton, who never played at the highest level. And on their board, they have one of the greatest Brendan Bolton's of all time never even gone right. on the roller coaster at the highest level because he's never been able to get over that line. So you've got to be fun <laughs> to ride it. Let alone coaching, mate. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Brendan Bolton gets carried around training by Matthew Cruiser in a baby Bjorn. He's adorable, though. Brendan Bolton was born in a cabbage patch. <laughs> That's how cute he is. <laughs> Brendan Bolton got his headshot done for the club magazine by Ann Geddes. <laughs> <laughs> this is a fun game. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah Juddy, Juddy, I mean, I've ne- I haven't heard. Is he it was good at Brendan coach? Bolton's... Pre- I've got one more. Oh, okay, okay. At Brendan Bolton's... <laughs> press conference the other day he said it's sad that we've had a zero six 6 start but I am proud to announce I just won the Bonds baby competition <laughs> sorry it wasn't worth going no it wasn't worth it uh, <laughs> uh, but Juddy does he do any assistant coaching is he like midfield coaching or you know how they get him down for mentor roles or something is he doing anything like that no uh, in fact I, I heard him asked whether he does any sort of you know hands on stuff down at the club and he said no I think he's really keeping his board stuff in a in a purely board capacity. I think, like, also, you've got to think that he would be aware of the fact that, you know, it would be 
a bad look for Chris Judd suddenly to because if you rock up to training right, yeah, and you're a yeah gun midfielder, you're Patrick Cripps or whoever, and two people are giving you conflicting advice, and one of them's Brendan Bolton and one of them's Chris <laughs> Judd. Who are you? <laughs> I was saying, like, look, I respect you, coach, and you're adorable. <laughs> and hang on, I'll just spit on this hanky and wipe that food off your face, but yeah. I'm going to go with Juddy. Yeah, Crips is like, sorry, Juddy, I'm trying to listen to you, but there's a, the, 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 there's a baby over there. What's up? It's like the baby from Ellie McBeal. It's dancing in the background. <laughs> now, it's just Brendan Bolton trying to get your attention. Ooga chaga, ooga, ooga, ooga chaga, ooga. <laughs> yeah, two guys, one cup for all your 2,000 references. <laughs> He's like, is that the coach? <laughs> I thought it was the guy who ran through the banner first. <laughs> What's the matter, Cripsy? Oh, God, I heard Vern, Vern Troyer died, but he's there in a, in a Carlton tracksuit. It's amazing. <laughs> what did Brendan Bolton say at three-quarter time? De Plains, De Plains. <laughs> Ah, oh, good stuff. Brendan Bolton is a small uh, man. Uh, yeah, but if, sure. you were, if you were Juddy, I also think, you know, like the talk around Dermy was always, oh, he's so smart. He knows football so well. Wouldn't he be great in the coach's box? And the thing that the best, the smartest thing I think Dermy's ever done is to just let that idea just keep going. He never was tempted to, to take it on because Tim Watson tried it, failed miserably. James Hurd tried it. Michael Voss, like... It's very hard to be the Messiah. And I think the dudes who can separate themselves from the game, and I think like Derm was always way into like the media career. So as soon as it was done, he just had that. Juddy has all these other side businesses. Like he seems like a pretty switched on dude where AFL wasn't necessarily like the be all and the end all. And I think that what, you know, this modern day game is showing, I mean, Beveridge was an exception, right? Somebody was talking the other day, they were like, you know, it's Luke Beveridge's fourth year as coach. And you're like, Oh, yeah, right. You kind of forget that. You, f- mm. you forget that he's only four years into it and he's still learning about it as much as, you know, anybody else is. He just happened to win a premiership, you know, early on and, mm. and that kind of, it changes it a little bit. It almost feels like suddenly you know everything. Whereas Dimmer and Buckley are kind of showing that maybe it takes you seven or eight years to get your list how you want it and to understand, you know, everybody who's there and all those sort of things. And mm. You know, I don't think that sometimes we're willing to wait seven or eight years with, you know, a champion player. You expect that they're going to come in and their success is going to be immediate. Yeah, and I just I just don't think that for all the good PR it would be, like everyone at St Kilda is always like, oh, it wouldn't be great to get Rob Harvey, get Rob Harvey back from Collingwood. And I'm always like, no, no, only if he deserves it. Like, let's not do it to kind of, you know, sell a few more memberships or, or, or whatever. Like, let's just get the best person for the job because I love Rob Harvey. He's one of my favourite players of all time, but I don't know if he can coach. I mean, he's been an assistant now for six or seven years and he hasn't got a senior job. Maybe he's a good assistant. Right, or maybe Rob Harvey might be the one who's actually done it the smart way, which is he's going to go and do his seven or eight years experience and learn from a whole bunch of different people. And if he does actually end up getting a job, he's going to, you know, be ready to do it mm. from the start rather than have to do that training as a senior coach. And it was, I forget how, you kind of forget, you probably don't because you <laughs> barrack for St Kilda, but <laughs> God. you kind of forget how good Robert Harvey was as a player that he deserves to be mentioned in the oh, same breath as like I you, I Buckley you gonna, and Michael Voss. And, I thought you were going to say uh, you want to forget because you're a St Kilda supporter. Then I thought you were going to go into 
clubs that hire dudes with no coaching background, like when we got Tim Watson in the late 90s. When we came off our grand final and finals in 97, 98, sacked Stan Owls and got Tim Watson, the guy from the TV who'd never coached a day in his life and then promptly finished bottom of the ladder like two years later. Yes, Will, I remember that. Yeah, when you went and got the guy who was good enough to be playing AFL at 15, so really couldn't understand why all these other fucking fully grown adults couldn't get it. Yeah, exactly. Ah, uh, yeah, but Rob Harvey, amazing. He's my, I, I, the, the one bit of St Kilda memorabilia I have is I won Rob Harvey's jumper in a raffle in like 1994. And uh, I've got it autographed. It's the old school woolen long sleeve number. It was after we beat Hawthorne at Moorabbin for the first time in like 12 years or something. It's, uh, he was my, he was probably, uh, it's between him and Nick Revolt as my all-time favourites. He, uh, on the radio the other day, uh, the commentators were all having a conversation about Rob Harvey and uh, I think they just interviewed him and then they all ended up just coming back and talking about how good Rod, Rob Harvey was. <laughs> and it was all these gun midfielders from his era and then they all told a story about the day that they had to play on Rob Harvey and how Rob Harvey had towed them up. And it was one of those things where it really kind of made you reappreciate, like hearing these absolute champions just talking about, like they all went into that thing of going, I think Cameron Ling was like telling this great story at one stage about having to tag him or something. Mm. And like Rob Harvey, you know, um, uh, did that thing like three minutes in that he always did where he was hunched over yeah. with his hands on his knees, you know, sucking in the breath. And I remember, and Lingy was like, I think I've got him here. <laughs> and then he just towed him up for the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah. Rob Harvey, he was a specialist 30 meter kick, like especially cause he played until he was like 106. And so in the last kind of 10 years of his career, like he lost that penetration with his kick. So he became the master of the dinky little 30-meter kick where even if he was on the burst, had three, you know, three bounces, when he got to the 50, it would just be a little dink, like, but a perfect, just a dinky little 30-meter pass right in front of a forward. I love the way that he played football because that like uh, hands on the knees thing was like, it was like he was James Brown, like doing yeah. the whole, I can't go on. And then suddenly he just like, launch into it again even like, i feel good <laughs> but the dinky kick was my favorite aspect of his game because yeah. he was such an incredible runner he was running like 16 17 kilometers a game he'd be able to burn people off and then dink yeah <laughs> just a dinky full speed can still just take all the heat off with a dinky little kick and then of course that story that famous story about when he had the was a foot patella something like the tendonitis in the foot or something and the only way he could fix it was to like jump off like a stool and break that tendon or break the the whatever something in his foot so he could actually move his foot again yeah so whatever it is is because someone had one recently there's there's been a player who's been suffering with the same thing and so this story came back up a bit but essentially you need to snap it so that it can so you can go on with things yeah right i'm I'm actually and so yeah he just jumped it makes me feel sick. Like we're talking about it and my foot is tensing up because just the fucking, like this is how unmanly I am. There's no fucking way. I'd be like, coach, I'm out for the rest of the year. Oh, but my understanding is also it didn't break the first time. No, no. It was like the scene of that scene in Misery where she has to like hobble him. <laughs> like he had to jump off this thing like, uh, you know, uh, like half a dozen times until finally it snapped. And he's like, oh, great. I can play on the weekend. So I reckon maybe I could do it once. Nah. But like, by the time you've done it five times and the pain you must be feeling, yeah. I'd just be like, nah, you know what? I'll have a few weeks off playing footy. I would have to tell my teammates to do it for me, like 
just when an unsuspecting just grab me and then throw me off something <laughs> because that's the only way I could go through it to not have any agency in the matter at all. Hey guys, I've got a favor. Um, this is my address and I'm going to leave the front door unlocked. If you could just come in while I'm asleep and bash my foot with this baseball bat I've left on the bedside table, that'd be really handy. Did you see much football on the weekend? Uh, no, not really. I watched a bit of the um, uh, Carlton Bulldogs. Mm. I didn't see it all because I was uh, working, but um, I saw enough of it to go, um, you know, the Bulldogs were fine. The thing that was good about it was that Bond and Pally playing back in the midfield or like predominantly in the midfield is because I was wondering and I talked about it on the podcast. I thought he had a bit of a slow start to the season, mm. but I thought it was probably because he was being forced to play a bit forward and they threw him into the midfield and we just looked so much better and he looked so much better in that role. How do you because I only saw the highlights and from what I've like this other podcast I've listened to and stuff I've read, like, people aren't hot on the Bulldogs at all. Like, where do you feel, like, do you, where do you feel now, like, six rounds in, that you're likely to finish? Well, uh, maybe not make the eight, I right. would say. Like, you so know, we'll be close to it, but maybe not. But here's what I will say. I, I, I've become a bit more positive, I've got to say. Oh, because... Richo, good to see you. Yeah, nah, yeah, nah, yeah, nah. Um, uh, I've become a bit more positive because we're the youngest list in the league and now we have been pretty much every round of this season. So in a list demographic place at the moment, and because of injuries and stuff, Dale Morris has been out and some of the older, more experienced players have obviously been injured. Um, It's the fact that we're still going okay with this young list, if we haven't won the premiership a couple of years ago, you go, oh, well, this is a really young team Mm -hmm. um, that is kind of rebuilding and there's some really positive signs. The problem with, you know, our really young team is consistency, right? At their best, they're really fantastic, but they have trouble replicating that best week after week. Your best hope is, because I'm in Eastern Woods out this weekend as well, like we're missing just like all our main experience in the poor team. Man, poor man, Your hope would be Eastern that all Wood. these young players... Yeah, if you... if you, Yeah, he's just out too handsome. He was ruled out for being too handsome this week. And Off <laughs> he brand. looked at himself in the mirror and got a concussion. <laughs> <laughs> he just caught his reflection at training, knocked yeah. himself out by how good looking he is. <laughs> Um, so uh, I think that if we get some of our more experienced players back, then, you know, the Bulldogs are doing all the things that would make you think that when we get a full list, if we get Pickham back, if we get Wood back, if we get Morris back, if these young players get some more, you know, games into them and those sort of middle rung, your McCrae's and your Wallace and those sort of players. I think that, I think it's positive, but I don't know if we will make the finals. Is it pleasing? It's not quite pleasing, but I think it's positive. I've seen some pleasing things. Yeah, so Dalhouse is out of contract at the end of the year. Mitch Wallace, I think, is out of contract at the end of the year. Like, would if would you want to keep both those guys or if someone came to you with, like, draft picks or an equal swap? Um, I, I wouldn't like to see Wallace go. I think that he's, I mean, well, just such a great family tradition at the club and I love that the Bulldogs have a lot of you know father sons I I think it's a really cool thing and I like the culture that that is around the club as I've said before on the podcast I think it's one of the most unique things about our game worldwide is the amount of father and sons who play the game and 
the more that they can play at the club that their parents played at if they want to, I think is a really cool thing. But also, during that premiership year when he was out injured, Wallace, he was just so good about, you know, how he kind of conducted himself and how supportive he was of it all. And he didn't drop his head and kind of sook it up that he wasn't part of it. He was just a really... So there's a lot about that you just really admire. So Mm. I would say Dell's the interesting one because... I love Dell as a player. I think he's just such a like fantastic. And when we're at our best, I think he's a huge part of it. He had a fucking great year in that premiership year. But there's rumblings around the club of things not being as happy. Oh, whispers as- from the West. Come on. Dish, what do you know? Yeah. I, haven't, I don't know any of this. Whispers from the West. Whis- whispers from the Western suburbs. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm not going to go all fucking purple here and <laughs> demo and say that they're not <laughs> kicking purple. it to their mates. <laughs> go on. Go on. Give us a whisper from the West. Oh, you got me all excited for a whisper. No, we haven't had a whisper I mean, in a long time. Okay. Well, the, the whisper out of the West is that perhaps, you know, there were mm. some players who celebrated the premiership too hard. Yeah, and when you hear the names listed of people who did that, his uh, name tends to come up in that conversation. Now, that may be completely false. So I'm just saying that that's what you hear. Right. Yes. Not as exciting as, as I was hoping, but it's a good whisper. That's a good whisper. Is that our first whisper from the West? For the, I know we had a whisper from the West Coast of Australia. Hey, Mike Howe, while we're talking, can you just go to our Facebook page, go to the messages and just, if we've got any like uh, whispers, because it's been a while since we've, we've, uh, we've had a whisper, just see if there's anything here that you can dig up. Any rumours, any scuttlebutt, any uh, two guys, one cup after dark. Yeah, I mean, I do, I, I hesitate sometimes because I realise that I hear things that I'm not really meant to know. <laughs> and so I try to, on this podcast... You know, like, you know, talk about things that are in the public domain as opposed to talking about things that you might hear if you worked every morning with the president of the Collingwood Football Club, the host of the footy show, and uh, a guy who played over 200 games for the Western Bulldogs. It turns out that I occasionally hear some things that I'm probably not meant to know. Well, it's a good thing we're not a live show and we cut stuff out. Mike Hal, do not cut anything out. <laughs> Um, uh, so, so did you see any other games on the weekend? Uh, no, the only game I really watched was the Collingwood-Richmond one, which seemed like a pretty good game to watch. Um, Collingwood, they're exciting. I mean, it's, it's funny. I, I, I think I've been hard on, on Bucks the last couple of years, probably like everyone. I think it's because every Collingwood supporter I know talked me out of Bucks. Like most of my friends who barrack for Collingwood weren't fans of Buckley, were calling for his head. But I like the way they play at the moment. It's all, I mean, look, I don't know enough about them to know whether it's like inclusions or the game plan or what's coming together. But the way they flick the ball around and, and then take the game on and the midfield's so good, it's actually very uh, Bulldogs-esque, Will. They play a high-pressure game and they really back themselves. I mean, Trelaw is a gun. Like, what a great pickup he was. Like, kudos to whoever decided that that GWS top 10 draft pick would be a good player. <laughs> Um, here's what I'll say about Collingwood statistically the team they most resemble is Richmond so in sort of key indicators of the way they play they seem to have adopted a very Richmond sort of way of going about it and obviously you know they came up against the original and I mean you know they played on Wednesday they had to play again on Sunday I thought for the first Two and a half quarters, Collingwood were kind of matching it with yeah. Richmond. Oh, you were like, this is, these guys are the real deal. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I felt the same way. It kind of, 
upset me to think, oh God, like in the year where St. Kilda is so terrible, don't tell me Collingwood's going to be good. But I've got to be honest, like I actually liked watching him play. I, I like the way, I like the way they, they move the ball. And <clears throat> it's nice to see like, uh, you know, steer, uh, side bottom and even Cox, like, you remember like, was it round two or round one when everyone was like, discussing whether or Mason Cox should just give the game away and it's an embarrassing failed experiment and stuff. Like, I think people have been quick to jump on old Mason Cox. Be quick to jump on the old Cox, Will, you might say. You might, if we were a different style of podcast. <laughs> oh, no, we're, that, we're exactly, we're exactly that, style that style of podcast. Style. Sorry. I... Uh, yeah, no, Charlie, I, I loved Mason Cox. He was asked about that <laughs> in an interview <laughs> recently. <laughs> Edit that however you want, everyone listening. Um, so uh, Mason Cox was asked in an interview recently about the fact that he's playing well now and he wasn't sort of taking marks in the first couple of rounds. Mm. And he was just like, yeah, it was really wet the first couple of rounds. Remember how it was all wet and slippery and it's really hard to grab it when it's wet and slippery? Now it's not. And I'm finding it heaps easier to grab it. And they were like, oh, yeah, no, that's a fair point you make, Mason. <laughs> but Richmond just look... Good, don't they? I, uh, they look like premiership favourites. Just the way they put the foot down in that last quarter and just really ran away with it. Uh, Richmond are definitely the premiership favourites. There's no doubt about that in my mind. Like, they are fly. I reckon this competition at the moment, there's one great team in it, Richmond. Yeah. And then there's like four or five no good teams. And then every single other team in between could either be good or bad and we're not quite sure yet. That's what it feels like. There's just this real... Um, feeling about Richmond that they have come back as strong as they ever were or even stronger than they were previously. And they just look fantastic. Um, I accidentally took a photo of us. You'll see in your message window, there's a very awkward photo of you and I. For some reason, my Skype screen has been freezing. I've been trying to read Michael's messages, but I, I couldn't click through. And then like, a, like Grandpa Simpson clumsily trying to find the right button, I hit the camera button and so... There's a great photo of what it looks like when you and I record this podcast in the message window. Maybe we can share that. I mean, it looks like from the angle that you've taken that I'm trying to listen to the Skype by leaning my ear towards <laughs> the sound. <laughs> now, Mike Hal says that we uh, the only bits of the only whispers we have, not really whispers from the West, is we have a, a sock gate message. Which you know what? Why don't we do it? It's, it why, why, why isn't round seven two guys one cup? Retro round. Mike, how can you post what the message is, please? Yeah, I might I might um uh grab some water while this is Okay. No worries. Yeah, I'm gonna do the same thing. And we're back. We just took a little break to get some water. Will uh we, we found did this... Yeah, go on. Well, I actually, Charlie, just for the record, didn't get water. I ended up getting like a Powerade that I had in my fridge. So if we have a really good uh, podcast and we feel like this is a podcast victory, you know what's happening at the end. <laughs> You're not thinking about the cleaners, mate. Think about the cleaners. All right, this is a little throwback. Good point. We have a no, uh, no, yeah, go on. <laughs> no, jeez, I stumbled all over that. I'm so sorry. That was like Tim Membry kicking for goal. Ran into an open goal and just fucking booted yeah. it into the point post. I mean, do you reckon that Josh Bruce is the happiest man at St Kilda right now? Because, you know, last year in Launceston, he did exactly the same thing, missed from the goal square. And so now it's like, oh, thank you, Tim. Thank you so much. Do you reckon it's one of those things? No, I don't think he does say thank you because what tended to happen on all the Twitter feeds and news sites was they then went back and replayed that one 
alongside this one. <laughs> oh, so great. like by then people had kind of forgotten about that one, but it was like it got a kind of reboot because of that. <laughs> I mean, it is one of those years at the Saints, and I haven't felt this for a while, but anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Like, including the Paddy McCartan getting his car and house robbed. Like, someone walked under a ladder, a black cat crossed their path or whatever. We just are having one of those years, which is like, there should be a rule in the AFL. You know, like when you're playing a video game and you die on the first level and you're like, oh, that doesn't count. Like, I'm just going to go back and restart so I can have a, a go again. Like, that should just be the St Kilda gets to pull the AFL-wide mulligan, not just for one game, but for the season. I don't know. You can incorporate a handicap, you know, when we come back. But just give us two weeks off. Maybe we go on holiday or something like that. We go to one of those kind of leading teams kind of weekends and we come back and somehow, like, the competition's more even for us. Maybe we get given, like, a, a win. We get given four points when we come back. Take two weeks off, you can come back with a win. You know how the AFL keep talking about this idea that you know, there's boring games towards the end of the season because there's some teams that can't make the finals and they don't have the same incentive to sort of win and, you know, mm. be competitive and stuff. What if the AFL introduced a rule where teams can, like like a mercy rule, but a self-imposed mercy rule from the teams? So Richo could say, go on AFL 360. Say the Saints lose on the weekend. Yeah. Richo on Monday night could go on AFL 360 and go, guys... Um, we're going to take the mercy rule. Uh, we're we're out of the season. Yeah. We're we're going back into preseason. I'm going to get the boys a break. Uh, we're going to go away. We're going to you know really start. We start our like if Brendan Bolton's like zero and six and they're in an actual rebuild, he yeah. can take the rest of the season off. Yeah, yeah. You get to have your mad Monday when you call mercy, and I think it should be like. You know, in my family, when, you know, my brothers and sisters, when we beat each other up, like if one of your siblings was bashing you and you cried out, mercy, 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 that, that sibling had to get off you. So I think that's what Richo or Bolts has to do. They go on 360 or, or the footy show or whatever. And when they cut to them, just the first three things they say is mercy, mercy, mercy. So we had uh, Nick Hook contact us on our Facebook page uh, and he says, Gentlemen, in a throwback to last season's Sockgate drama, I would like to submit some evidence. As I was killing time on Instagram during the week, I saw a post from Richmond's Cam- Camden McIntosh or is it Caden McIntosh? Has he misspelled that? No, Camden. It is Camden. His name is Camden. All right, stop. Let's talk about this. <laughs> What's that list they do at the start of the year of all like the kind of like hilarious names in the AFL? Well, Camden though is more just a like I mean that's how old we are now, Charlie. That a generation of parents who thought it was a good idea to call their kids things like Camden, you know, th- those kids are now old enough to play in the AFL. I'm surprised there's not more of them. You know, I mean we've got a couple of you know weirdly spelled Danes, yeah. you know, and that sort of stuff, but we haven't really had that sort of like you know. Oh, there's a few Jadens, actually. Well, there's Jadens, Jareds, Jarens, and uh, uh, there's, a, there's a few variations on the J-A-R spelling. Yeah. So I, I think this is a natural progression that we would have a Camden. Yeah. K-A-M-D-Y-N. Camden Macintosh. I saw a post from Richmond's Camden Macintosh, and it caught my attention. It was quite an otherwise boring post about someone sorting out their washed socks. But amongst the dozen or so pairs of white ankle socks, my eye was drawn to a couple of pairs of yellow and black footy socks. 
This confirms the story of the players having to wash their own socks, at least at Tigerland anyway. Although doubt, I doubt Dusty washes his own. Please find attached my best effort at a screenshot as a submission of evidence. And I think we can post this on the Facebook page. I mean, it was put on Instagram. It's not like, a, it's not Snapchat. It's not like, it's not like a, a, a footballer getting photographed on an end of season trip or anything like that. This is, he posted it himself. Uh, I mean, although uh, we should actually blur out that image of Jake Car- uh, Carlisle doing lines in the background. <laughs> of washing powder. Yeah, yeah, of Omo. Just doing lines of Omo. <laughs> Um, Here's what I will say, Charlie, is I think that this adds a new element. And perhaps I'm naive in this, but this adds a new element that I hadn't actually really considered to Sockgate. So I'm glad that we've gone back to this because I always imagined, and I'm not really sure now that I'm saying it out loud why I imagined this, Mm. but when these players washed their own socks at home, I imagined that they were washing them alone. As in, I didn't imagine that they were putting their Richmond footy socks in with just their regular other washing. Well, would you, I mean, do you, like the clothes you were on stage or whatever, like do you wash them separately to your other clothes? Don't you just chuck them in with your colours? Oh, well, here's what I was going to say though. Like if you buy a new shirt or something or a new pair of socks, like particularly a new pair of socks, you do that sort of thing where... You don't put them in the wash with your other clothes straight away, right? Because they might well, stain your other clothes. Not, not if they're colours. I think colours are fine. Um, you just don't put colours in, new colours in with white. I mean, it's, if you've got a pair of Richmond socks with your, your jeans, you're fine, mate. Don't worry about it. Chill. Yeah, but like say even you put like a... If you put a grey t-shirt in with your red socks from the Sydney Swans, you're okay. still going to... All right. Like, I mean, come on. Like, I'm, it's not, I'm not saying it's a hard and fast rule. You, you use your own kind of judgment but yes if it's a dark color and there's like dark colors then then you're fine but yes white will gray off white cream bone off bone (laughs) all colors i wouldn't put in with my sydney swan socks yeah but this is the thing right like you're trusting football players to know this like football players are the sort of people who you know i can't imagine are separating their whites and their colors (laughs) that sentence in isolation could be horrible did, for this podcast didn't really sound didn't really come out how i intended it to come out to be honest i think the interesting question is would dusty do his own socks because i wonder if there is a hierarchy because we know at some clubs and i believe we uncovered this in the original Stockgate saga of 2016 that some clubs have big washing machines and there's um staff there who will do the the laundry for them presumably richmond don't have that so is Dusty going? I can't imagine Dusty does anything for himself, really. He doesn't, Dusty doesn't seem to me to come from that kind of world where when you're of Dusty's status, you do much for yourself. You know what I mean? I feel like Dusty's life's maybe a bit like Entourage. He's Vinnie Chase. Like, there's a group of guys who take care. If Dusty needs to get somewhere, they take him there. If Dusty needs something, they, they organize it for him. I don't imagine in Dusty's world, he's doing his own socks. I mean, I agree that that is probably the case and that is certainly what i imagine is probably the case but i love to imagine it the other way (laughs) i'd love to learn that dustin martin is nothing but self-sufficient that he does everything himself in fact he takes his own jumper and shorts home and washes them just to make a point about the meticulous way he prepares yeah i'd like to believe that dusty actually uh, knitted his own jersey (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
I went to Dusty's place. There was needles everywhere. What? Some sort of injection program? <laughs> no, 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 no. Knitting needles. He actually joined the CWA. <laughs> All right, should we look ahead to next week? Yeah, that was a comprehensive wrap of what happened last weekend. So <laughs> <laughs> I didn't watch anything and neither did you. What do you want us to say? And it's also Thursday by the time, no, Friday by the time people hear this. Do you really want us to talk about last week's news? And I'm asking you, no, mate, knowing I'm, that the answer is like, no. <laughs> what I've pretty much discovered from like reading most of the feedback we get about this podcast is that none of our listeners who actually listen to this podcast a live in australia or b actually follow australian rules football so okay actually there's one last thing before we get on to uh uh next week's uh this round's games there was a interview with jared pollock um from uh the power this week because they're playing west coast and they were talking about of course last year's elimination final when he laid that high tackle and on luke shuey and gave away the free kick and they were asking him, like, well, you know, uh, do you, how, do you, how does that, has that moment sit with you now? And he, and he was like, yeah, you know, like, look, I, I had a, a moment to think about it after the game. But, you know, after that, I didn't really think about it. I mean, I deleted all my social media and I moved to the Gold Coast for two weeks. But, yeah, you know, it was fine. <laughs> Apart from that, it didn't really bother me. <laughs> it's like, so you basically went into witness relocation. <laughs> You're going to shrug that off, mate. No, that doesn't really bother me. Yeah, changed my name, my identity, got new passports for my family. But uh, yeah, no, no big deal. <sighs> Didn't really bother me. Uh, yeah, my house was knocked down, but you know what? Like I just, you know, went and found another house. Didn't really bother me. <laughs> no, I just uh, put myself into a coma for six weeks. Yeah, changed my name and my address and, and knocked myself in the head with a brick, went into a coma so no one could find me. Threw myself off a fishing boat, woke up on an island, became a secret <laughs> agent. You wouldn't believe it. <laughs> I call that Jared Lived Pollock's on an island. Lived on an island for three weeks uh, with only a football with a smile that I drew on it as company. Anyway, it was fine. On to next week's games. <laughs> Friday night, tonight, by the time you're listening to this podcast, the Cats take on GWS uh, at, at the Cattery? Yeah, it must be. What's, what's it called at the Cattery. Cattery? Something. Uh, GMBHBHY Stadium. Yep. Okay, Jimba Stadium. Uh, Cats shock losers last week. Well, shock losers to us, I believe. I think neither of us tipped Sydney. I don't know. I honestly cannot remember who I've tipped. Well, it turns out that Sydney actually have a really good... Re- I think the Cats have lost like three times in the last couple of years at GMHBA Stadium and uh, all of them to Sydney. So even without Buddy Franklin, they're a very formidable side down there. But um, you would have thought that... This is one of those games that if GWS really want to show that they're a premiership contender, winning at Geelong would do a lot to kind of make that happen. Geelong mm. are a little shaky, but I just think Geelong at home, they're not going to lose two in a row. I reckon they're going to beat G- GWS. Why does Grant Thomas hate GWS so much? Have you like heard or read some of the stuff he says about him? Like he really hates him. And how does he know they've all got big heads? Oh, uh, I think that... Grant Thomas is one of those guys who works a lot on gut, gut instinct, I think, yeah. Charlie. Yeah, you know, yeah. you know, he just feels like to me like one of those guys. I think it was the way he coached a bit as well. And certainly as a commentator, I think he just gets the gist of something and goes with it. So are you saying there's a guy with a football podcast who doesn't know that much about what he's talking about, but makes bold, wild, speculative claims anyway? Copyright two guys, one cup. <laughs> um... I'm going to pick GWS in an upset without Jeremy Cameron or Toby Green, I believe. 
all right, next game is. Uh, Did you pick, you didn't pick, you're taking... going to pick a team, mate. Cats or. Oh, sorry, I'm picking Geelong. I think okay. Geelong at home. The Western Bulldogs take on Gold Coast at Mars. On Mars, the planet of Mars. On the planet of Mars. And look, you know, it's, it's a tough trip, but we're both making the trip. <laughs> uh, Gold Coast have obviously travelled a bit more than us early on. I mean, it's tough, I guess, you know, playing, you know, away so far. I mean, we did a lot of uh, sort of atmospheric training in the preseason, <laughs> so I think we'll be able to handle it. You know, we're just taking it one small step at a time. Ah. One giant leap at a time. <laughs> nice. You got there in the end. I could see you feeling for it and then you just hit the sweet spot. Boom. Um, oh, it's got to be the Bulldogs, right? Like, if you guys are any any chop, you'll have to beat the Gold Coast. Yep, I would have thought so. The Bummers take on Hawthorne at the MCG. Oh, man. All right, here's a question. My team sucks. But you look at our team, you're like, oh, that makes sense. The Bombers suck. But you look at their list and you're like, oh, that doesn't make sense. Who's got it worse? Bombers supporters or Saints supporters? Bombers supporters. Or Saints supporters, because you can see where Essendon's improvement could come from. No, Bombers supporters. They're, they're, they should be great and they're not great. So I think they're more disappointing. The Saints, you look at their team and you go, well, I'm not sure that they should be great at the moment. And, you know, it'd be nice if they were better than what they are, but... I think Essendon's the biggest disappointment of the season so far, you would have thought, based on yeah, the potential that they have to be a really, really top four team versus what they're, you know, presenting. But they've still got time. Like you said, they do have the players that if they all start playing well, suddenly they're gonna win a lot more games of football. Wouldn't this be great if this was the inaugural line in the sand match? Like you know how they have like a every team has some kind of rivalry. They should just bring out the line in the sand match where we know at some point in the game shit's gonna get real. <laughs> uh, and Dermot should have to call it. Yeah. Like regardless, that's like the his wrestling. Job. It's, you, it should be like the wrestling. Dermot Burton should be in the crowd with a bullhorn, and at some point, Bert, Dermot just stands up and blows the horn, and then all the players have to start fighting. And every it's like the Royal Rumble. <laughs> Well, no, I would like to see that, like, you know, like that. But firstly, you know, the game's just playing and then suddenly the big screen at the game goes completely blank and you just see Dermot's outline, like in the shadows. Like like a supervillain. Right. And then the camera starts, like, following him down as he walks down (laughs) from the top of the Great Southern Stand, right the whole way down through the crowd. It takes 17 minutes for him to get from the top of the stand (laughs) to the middle of the square. I love it. Like the wrestling, like a big entrance. Like, no, Dermy's music should play first. Like Stone Cold Steve Austin, you hear glass break and then whatever Dermy's theme is, something to do with being a kid or a cowboy or something like that plays and the crowd goes crazy and there's Dermy walking down from the top of the Great Southern Stand to the centre square. Oh, remember how Dermot used to ride his motorbike and park it in that nightclub? Wasn't there the famous story about he'd ride his motorbike all the way into the actual and he parked the motorbike in like the foyer of the nightclub or whatever? Right. So maybe Dermy's on a motorbike. So Dermy kind of like in leathers on yep. a motorbike, right, riding the motorbike down the aisle past everyone to save some time, obviously. Yep. Um, okay, so and he literally it, has. Can we do it like the Undertaker? So we play roll and roll and roll and roll and what? Roll and roll, you know. And then like Dermy rolls out Undertaker style bandana on and everything. 
Right. And actually, you know what he's got? He's got a bag of sand. And he pulls out the bag of sand. And then with his finger, he puts a line through the sand and everybody knows it's on. The crowd goes crazy. Holy shit. Like, if you're thinking about how to get people through the turnstiles, the inaugural line in the sand match would be amazing. Oh, to take another hint from the wrestling, uh, Booker T style. Yeah. You know how Booker T used to do the five times, five yeah. times. Dermot should be doing five times day, five times night, five times day. <laughs> and then does a spin a Rooney in the center. Amazing. <laughs> the Derma Rooney. The Derma Rooney. <laughs> I can't believe it took us an hour and three minutes to get to the best part of the podcast. We could have started with this and done another hour. <laughs> But unfortunately, we're drawing on the end. So who, who's your pick for that game, Hawks? Uh, Hawthorne, based on just <laughs> what we did then. <laughs> Seriously, it's my favourite bit. I wish that was real. I wish, I wish, I, uh, like, if this was like a Disney movie or something like that, and I'm a kid who, you know, whose father was dead or whatever, and I just could wish for like a mannequin to come to life, I wouldn't. I would wish for Dermot Barrett to start the inaugural line in the sand match the way we described it just then. You know what I would love? You know how um, sometimes like American presidents or whatever, if uh, a seat comes up on the Supreme Court, they'll appoint someone who is very sympathetic to their party so that even after they're not president anymore, that person will, you know, define the laws of the land, Mm. you know, from that perspective from then on. I'd love if, say, Gil is about to get, um, you know, sacked as CEO or leave or whatever. And he decides as his last minute thing that he's going to put you and I on the rules of the game committee. (laughs) That'd be amazing. (laughs) And every week it's like, so we get Dermot on a motorbike. (laughs) It's like some Adam Sandler film where my two idiot nephews run the company. (laughs) And what I love about that too is that like Dermy, because James Sicily is the perfect kind of protege to Dermy's like a shit stirrer. Like you can have a whole storyline there. So if Dermy, you know, passes on or doesn't want to do it anymore, James Sicily can, like James Sicily plays the game, but he's got a little little bag of sand, a leather pouch tied around his shorts. And at some stage he just stops, undoes the sand and he pours it out. And the crowd goes wild. Well, you know, the thing is, Charlie, in the Australian cricket team, uh, there is a tradition of like the victory song they have, you know, underneath the Southern Cross I stand, a sprig of waddle in my hand. Uh, a native of this native land, Australia, you fucking beauty, I think is what it is. And it's passed on from sort of the spiritual leader of the team, not the captain does it, but like the, so Justin Langer did it and Nathan Lyon did it and whatever, right? And it's passed from one holder of it to the next. So I like that idea that you started with Dermot handing over the bag of sand (laughs) to the next generation of Lyon in the Sanders. And did you pick Hawks for that game? Ah, uh, yeah, Hawks. What about you? <laughs> yes, I'm Hawthorne. Uh, West Coast take on Port uh, back in WA. West Coast just keep winning. Good team. Port, though, bounce back against the bloody uh, Kingswood of the AFL, North Melbourne. Um, I just can't see West Coast lose. I think West Coast are up and about. West Coast top four. That's my prediction. Big, bloody, bold prediction. I'm starting to see why my Saturday night sales are not as strong as my Friday night sales in Hmm. Western Australia. It turns out there's a West Coast game on at the same time. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to say West Coast are going to win this one, though, because I think that West Coast are a pretty good team. And our man, Shannon Hearn, who I'd never heard of until about 12 months ago, (laughs) now is uh, one of my favourite players in the AFL and is killing it. 
I saw that on one of the AFL shows. They were like, no one really knows who Shannon Hearn is, but he's fucking awesome. And look at this game on the weekend. And I'm like, have you made this specifically for us? <laughs> like, did you hear the first episode of this show where we said we don't know who Shannon Hearn is? I'll be honest with you. I still couldn't pick him out of a lineup. Like, I, I'm aware of his number and stuff and the position he plays, but I don't know what he looks like. I, don't, I couldn't tell you about Shannon Hearn. He's the captain of the West Coast Eagles. He's their spiritual leader. He's the winner of the Ross Glendinning Medal. What else do you need to know? Can I ask you about Chad Wingard? Boots have been into Chad. Yes. Slow start to the year. He's added some more ink. Mm-hmm. He's a very, like, kind of... He's got that look, you know, he's a young dude who obviously takes care of himself. Chad by name, Chad by nature. Is he a bit of a Chad? What is a Chad? Well, a Chad has, is like a... It's kind of that Jersey Shore, muscly, confident, cocky, kind of jock-type dude. Is that... Chad Wingard now? Is he becoming his name? The thing about Chad Wingard you always hear is that he doesn't watch footy. Right. Right? That's the thing that everyone always talks about. He's not really a footy head, doesn't really care about footy, doesn't watch footy, like, you know, not really interested in it otherwise. Um, I think he certainly marches to the beat of his own drum. There is no doubt about that. But the look, like he's got that kind of... He's got a reality show star look. Like if he went into a Big Brother house, I'd be like, oh yeah, that guy looks like he should be on Big Brother. Yeah, maybe. I reckon he looks a bit more like if, um, uh, what was that brand? Uh, you know, the oh, American... Yeah. Which one? Ed Hardy. If Ed Hardy was a footballer, yeah. he'd be Chad Wingard. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> the Swans take on the ruse at the SCG. Okay, bold prediction. North win this. That's my lock of the week. Uh, Sydney win this. That's my lock of the week. Adelaide take on Carlton at Adelaide Oval. Ooh. Oh, geez. What do you reckon? Carlton brave performance? Is that on the cards? I mean, Adelaide have been so flaky this season that the idea of them losing to Carlton in an absolute massive upset is like one of those ones, if you're going to try to pick a amazing illogical upset for the round, this might be the one, but there is no way that Adelaide are going to lose to Carlton at Adelaide Oval, in my opinion. I'm tipping Carlton. <laughs> I just feel like the way you said that told me that Carlton's going to win. I think I'm like coming last in the tipping or last in like all the world's tipping. I just need to let people know that I don't tip off any like statistics or, you know, odds or whatever. I tip with my heart and sometimes, well, most of the time my heart is completely wrong. We tip with the same level of, you know, fierce intellect that we take to the rest of the podcast, (laughs) which is absolutely no thought and often talk ourselves out of our own ideas. And certainly when it comes to the weekend, I can never remember who I picked in most of the games. (laughs) I'm the same. It's ridiculous. The amount of times that there's been a result this year, I was like, oh, I picked that. And then, like, look at the thing and go, oh, I didn't pick that. Charlie well, not, picked that. You know what I do? Every time there's an upset, I immediately claim it. I'm like, yes, I picked that. Because I like to be the guy with 2020 vision. Like, hindsight is 2020. I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. I know everything about football. And then I go back and it's like, well, no, I picked three winners for this round. Yeah, you're the guy who's like, I won 500 bucks on the pokies. I spent $10,000, <laughs> but I won 500. On Sunday, the Tigers take on Freo at the MCG. I reckon this would be a good game. And if this was pre-2017's uh, premiership, the kind of... Well, of course, the famous game from last year, Monday after the siren winning the game. I think Richmond make a statement this game. Like, 
I know there's no such thing as like grand final replays or all that kind of stuff, but this game for Richmond, I'm sure, has an extra bit of significance, more than the GWS loss a year a week later. Like I think, I think Richmond may torch Frio in this game, just to teach them a lesson. I, I don't think that's the case. I think that Fremantle are a, a much better side than we thought, and. Turns out Nat Fife's really good, Charlie, as well. He had another great game. Oh, does Turns he play for Freo? really good. Yeah, Nat Fife from Freo. I reckon he's probably <laughs> going to win the Brownlow. <laughs> he's really good. All right. Having, having um, said that about Richmond, I, I would also... Wouldn't surprise me that to rally around Ross Lyon, because I think there's one thing about Ross Lyon as a coach, is the, the players do play for him. And if they want to come out and make a statement in defence of their mate Ross, then they could very well get up as well. So what I'm saying is yeah, one I mean, of these two team teams may win on the weekend. <laughs> welcome, welcome to two yeah, guys, one I, cup. I think you, your first option is probably better. Richmond win by so much that Ross Lyon makes them sign a confidentiality agreement so they never mention it to anybody. <laughs> uh, um, I'm going to say Richmond. Saucer of milk. Uh, the Saints take on Melbourne. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't it be great if... Saints could win that. Yeah, uh, I don't care. Like, honestly, like, I'm, I'm, lo- I'm so deflated. Yeah, sure. Uh, Melbourne should win. I'm picking the Saints. I would love to see Melbourne not win. Yeah, same. Like there's, that, I don't know why I'm getting so much joy out of this, yeah. by the way. I don't really hate Melbourne, but there is something about me that's like, they've just been set up as such a perfect comic book villain for me that mm. I, I just am riding the... But I, the weird I mean, thing, if they lost to the Saints. The weird thing is, like, I feel like you and I are two dudes who bullying a kid at high school, right? And the first few mm. weeks of doing it, I started to kind of be like, oh, I don't know about this, man. Like, I feel, I feel bad about this. And you kind of like said, shut up, man. Like, he's a loser, right? We we'll make fun of him. And so I've kind of kept my mouth shut so you can keep having your fun. But secretly, I'm feeling a part of me die inside by not defending Melbourne. But at the same time, <laughs> I think part of me hates him as well. Like something deep down, although I don't like the way you're treating him, I feel like he deserves it. It's very confusing for me. Um, Melbourne. You know what? I'm going to give Melbourne some love. For that reason, I'm going to give Melbourne some love. But what's later going to be revealed? It's like I'm going to take that kid out. I'm going to invite him to my party. You know what? We're going to be friends. But here's the thing that this kid doesn't know, Charlie. Yeah, I'm going to dack him once he gets there. So this is your one week, Melbourne. Melbourne's going to find out that you only picked them as a result of a dare. We made a bet that you could take the biggest loser team and make them your favourite. And Melbourne fell for it, Will. I mean, they always thought that you were maybe a bit too harsh for them, but they saw a different side to you. And damn it, if maybe you didn't start liking well, Melbourne as well, but you couldn't admit that in front of me because we'd made the bet, so you went through with it. And then when they did lose and the whole, it all came out, you had to say to them, but Melbourne, I actually did like you the whole time. Yeah, it was that. It will be that moment where Jaden Hunt takes off his headband and shakes out his hair, and I'll be like, "Oh my god, you're beautiful." <laughs> the last game is Brisbane Lions taking on Collingwood at the Gabba. Now, the the real the, the the kind of goodwill and the warm fuzzies around the Lions has really diminished in the last few weeks, and now it's become a bit yeah. like it's it's ugly to watch. Is this just because they're a young team? Like, they just can't. Like, they're getting battered and knocked around and, you know, it's hard to sort of maintain honourable losses for an entire season. I think so. I think that's what it is. Um, You know, this is the sort of game that the old Collingwood would lose, 
right? Yeah. So uh, no. I think this is one of those games. They never lose on the road, Collingwood. Back to the wall. Well, I re- I think that Collingwood win this one, um, and I think this is you know a sign that they are a different team to what they have been previously. I think they'll get the job done. Yeah, I think so as well. More pain for uh, uh, Chris Fagan, Michael Pagan, uh, Dennis Fagan. <laughs> Threw an extra one in there. Uh, that's the show. We're done. Um, we should have talked about football more, but to be honest with you, I'm finding it very hard to do this show at the moment. <laughs> I've got to be honest with you, Charlie. This was one of my favourite episodes we've ever done. I think actually the problem that we've been having is we've actually been paying too much attention to football. I think we, should, we need to go back to grassroots. We need to just... Look, I mean, we have to lean into the fact that the major appeal of this podcast is that we know nothing. Yeah. And I think this episode, more than any other we've ever done, has proved that. <laughs> I think I also have to lean into the fact that, like, my team sucks. And that's, this is, you know, sometimes you listen to a podcast or you watch a documentary where the, the documentary maker goes out with the intention of making one story. But then another story happens that's actually far more compelling. Like... I don't think when we started this show, I ever felt like we we're going to win a flag, but that fucking happened to you. But I felt like, you know, it would be a good way to kind of like stay engaged with AFL. But what I feel may happen over the next, at least in the next 16 weeks or however long we've got to go, is that you're going to get some real shit. <laughs> you're, going to, you're going to peer into the dark ab- abyss that is Charlie Clawson. Because if these losses keep happening like this, my only way to rationalize it is to examine my own life. So just be prepared. Like, you've come here for laughs, a lighter look at AFL, but I'm going to have to get confessional because this is really hard for me. <laughs> like, it is really hard for me. I didn't want to do the show. I didn't want to talk about it. I only watched the highlights literally half an hour before we recorded because I had put it off. I woke up in the morning, saw the score, and was like, oh. Then read a couple of headlines. I was like, oh. And then saw Richard apologizing on 360. I was like, oh. But I know I have a show where one of the main features is we talk about our two clubs. <laughs> So I'm just warning everyone. Well, you know what, Charlie? I'm just going to say this to you because we're friends and our friendship is more important than this podcast to me. Uh, If at any stage it's just too much for you, all you have to do is during the podcast say, mercy, mercy, mercy. (laughs) (laughs) And we can just end it. Play on, not 